I'm learning from you two too. You you just have this ability to just allow a person to feel really comfortable. I feel like I've known you both for like 10 years. I feel like you're friends. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing today? Thank you for listening. I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 79 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do-do-do-do! Yes! 79, we're just one episode closer to the great 100 i know we are like 21 episodes to go what are you gonna do when we hit the big 100 i don't know i haven't thought about that i haven't thought that far ahead but that's how i roll usually you know and i was kind of thinking about this as we get closer to the big two-year anniversary mark this summer imagine that we've been podcasting for a full two years well almost not quite this summer i know and it'll be like episode 104 uh in theory yes Depending on leap years and weeks off and things like that. Yeah, good point. Maybe 105. So I think that you should give me a gift for our 100th episode. Oh, not just a thank you for being here? No, I think you should give me a money tree of $100 bills. Sure, why not? Hey, listeners, if you want to give Christine a $100 bill tree, she would really appreciate (laughs) that. (laughs) I would really like that. I like things that are in quantities. Like, you know, you could even give me 100 single $1 bills. I would be fine with that. Hundreds of things. I love that. You could give me a hundred kisses, a um, hundred compliments. Um, we should make it the hundred show for Chris to do nice things for Christine. Well, you know, we, we'll, we'll work on that. It's all work <laughs> in progress. You know, we can't, ho- we shoot for the dreams and uh, see what happens, you know, later on. So, but enough of that fun stuff. What has been going on in your world this week, Christine? Well, I am very excited that starting tomorrow or today when the episode airs is the kickoff of my birthday week. Happy birthday to you christine's turning 21 i i I claim my age it's my last week right now of my 30s i'm hitting the big 40 40 40 next week i know i'm so excited actually you know most people are like oh i'm turning 40 and you know we were talking about this on the way to lunch i feel like i've accomplished a lot before my 40th birthday. You have, because a lot of people you see, like, they're 40, 45, even people in their 50s, which is kind of rare, but people that are 50s they haven't done much in their life. Well, it's not about not doing much. So what just, are you talking about then? Well, I just meant, like, I've, in terms of, like, my education, I feel like I've accomplished a lot. It's not to compare to others. I'm just saying I feel personally like I've met a lot of my goals. You sure did. I'm so proud of you, babe. I am super, super proud of you. Every listener out here is listening to you. They're very proud of you, too. Oh, thank you so much, honey. Well, uh, you know, we were talking about the 100th episode and buying, you know, 100 gifts. I have the greatest idea for you in case you don't know what to get me for my birthday. Which usually happens. So uh, (laughs) first off, just for those who may not know, just for those who may have forgot, when is your birthday? March 20th. It's a Saturday. I'm writing that down. March 20th. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. First day of spring. Uh, and the boys were helping me brainstorm with you earlier this week on what you could get me for my birthday. And all of it landed in quantities of 40. Wait, why is that? Because I'm turning 40. So but- you could give me 40 $1 bills or 40 $10 bills, which would be better. Can I just give you 40 thank yous for showing up today? Um, that's not a birthday present. I would like um, 40 puppies 
and uh, 40 puppies what are those, 101 dalmatians yes um 40 puppies and i would like um 40 gift cards to go on a shopping spree and i would like 40 vacations and 40 days of never having to do the dishes or laundry but you know what you know, you know what i mean some people play the lottery christine just asked for wishes <laughs> it's, it's almost the same thing yeah, i mean you, you, you throw it out there you just count the count for the stars you know it's like it's like every time i get a lottery, lottery ticket i always like go daydreaming you know like I know you do. all these crazy things i'm like oh if i ever win the lottery i'm gonna buy this house i'm gonna buy that house i want to pay off this is true i want to pay off every single house on my street to pay off their mortgage i, know, I promise you, you that but that's the funny thing is you only are friendly with two of our neighbors so the fact that you'd want to pay off everybody's mortgage and you don't even know them that's hilarious to but me but if you win like a hundred million dollars and what's it to you you know like well, it's just wouldn't a, it, you want to pay off all of your friends mortgages first before just like randomly in your neighborhood maybe maybe you know i, I would but i just think it'd be super cool because we live in a super tight little small community like our our neighborhood is very small there's only six houses in our neighborhood and i'm thinking that's only six houses six mortgages so i mean if you want a hundred million dollars that's not too bad yeah, you know, speaking of small neighborhoods, something pretty traumatic happened to me earlier this week when you had left what? for work. Yeah. What happened? Uh, I don't know if you remember because it's kind of been a few days ago, but I was sitting in my home office and it overlooks the cul-de-sac and there's right over our fence, there's a set of apartments. They're not bad. Like, you know, they're, they've are they been getting louder at night, like with the cars and the music and stuff like that. But all of a sudden I was like sitting there and I heard screaming and I was like, oh gosh, that sounds like a domestic incident. And it was in the parking lot. So I like went to peek out the front door to see if I needed to call for help. And right then the police started to pull up and I was like, oh, okay, I'll just go back to work. And I got back to my seat and was getting ready to get back on my computer. And all of a sudden there were five police SUVs, guns drawn, which is directed right towards the window. Like one of them was like, I could see the end of the barrel of the gun. No way. And it was a whole thing like, one of the guys was refusing to get out and they gave him a countdown to get out of the car with his hands up before they were going to shoot. It was so freaking scary. Chris. Did they actually shoot the guy? No. Oh, no. He ended up cooperating. He ended up getting just like a ticket and got released like 30 minutes later. But the, the, his male passenger that was with him got arrested. Oh. And apparently there was a female because they were interviewing her and she looked pretty shaken up. But I'm guessing it was maybe the passenger causing the issue, not the driver. But, you know, I saw I, I've never seen a response like that. But I guess, you know, based off of the how it escalated quickly, there were seven SU, cop SUVs and there were like 15 officers. And then they did this thing like after they had the guy get out of the car, hands up and back up to them with no sudden movements. Um, and they got the other guy out of the car. Then they went like it was one officer in front. There was another officer behind him holding his shoulder and one behind him, kind of like they were walking in a chain of five. The officers were? Yeah. They had their arms on one shoulder and they had their hands on their gun and they were walking in like a single line. I've never seen that before. I've never seen that either. And it was like, I think I got it on video. I'm not going to post it yeah, because- I told Christine, videotape it. She said this is going down outside the window. I said, get your phone out, videotape it. And if anything goes wrong, the news is going to be all over that. Yeah. And I was just like- I was concerned for the people in the car, like make good choices. I think you could even hear me on like on the video going, make good choices, make good choices. And then when the officers were going up to the car, I was like, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, please be safe. Please be safe. And I was just like, it rattled me pretty bad. It was like, 
I know things like that happen. I've never seen it so close. And I know that sounds like a very privileged thing because I know there's a lot of people that see violence like that um, on a daily basis. But for me, it just we live in a good neighborhood and it just was kind of startling that like that would happen right next door, you know, and especially in daylight. Right. You know, it's funny is that people think, well, I live in a gated community or I live in this X amount, whatever neighborhood it may be mm-hmm. in. But the criminals, they can get to wherever you're at, too. And things can happen no matter what part of town you're in. Right. And we're not saying they were criminals, but there was obviously an incident, some kind of an aggressive fight of some kind. You know, it's funny. In the police department, the police department headquarters is like literally not even one mile away from here. Right. It's like right down the street is where the headquarters of the police department is. So, yeah. Yeah. But they were very nice. Like I was watching how they were interacting and I, I videoed for a few minutes after because, you know, I'm huge about, um, you know, justice and ensuring that there's no police misconduct. And I was watching and seeing how they interacted with the individual and they, you know, were even though they like handcuffed him, there wasn't any excessive force. They were talking with the, the gentleman and asking him questions, giving him space so they weren't like right up in his space. So you're saying they, they didn't push him to the ground and shoot him in the back? Like, uh, hey, like, uh, the, like the news tries to portray, portray it. Uh, we're not going to get into that today, but you know, it's, um, it's very startling and it was a very difficult situation. And especially as today is the one year anniversary of the death of Breonna Taylor. And so, oh, wow. yeah, it definitely was a heavy week in terms of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I, I've had a pretty good week in terms of work Well, tell stuff. us right now about your school stuff and your work stuff. I'm very excited to hear. Christine's got some exciting news. What is I it, baby? I do have some exciting news. So I finally got all five of my chapters approved by my chair, and they've been edited and formatted by my editor. And if you all don't know, I'm writing my dissertation right now, and it's basically writing a book. It's 163 pages and like 40,000 words that I've written and I've been working on this for, I don't know, a year and a half. And I finally got the green light to get everything formatted. My chair is doing one more revision before I send out the final document next Friday at the latest to my committee to review for my defense on the 30th. And then you will be completely done? All done? Well, yes, ish. I mean, I have four more classes after that. Like, I have to sit for... Wait wait a second. You have four more classes after you already take care of your dissertation? Well, so- because my dissertation is kind of like a separate class. So oh, okay. I have my dissertation and we don't actually do our dissertation work during our classwork. And so what I did last night and the night before, because I've been just in a zone when it comes pr- to productivity, is I got all of my assignments done for the remainder of the semester and got them turned in last night. Because this week officially kicks off spring break for my university. Woohoo! Fantastic. That yeah. is awesome. So I finished up my schooling five-ish, six weeks before the semester is out. So I just have to sit in class and participate and do one little exercise in class. And then I'm done. So the last four days of class, is it like when you're in high school and you got like, it's just after finals, it's the last week of school and the teacher just puts on movies in the classroom? Oh, no. I mean, we're learning all the way to the end. Our last class, we are going to do a little celebration because that's officially our last class of the program. And so I think that we're going to like talk through some of our, I mean, a party in, in college or in graduate school is different where we're like sharing our leadership philosophies and our learnings from the program and stuff like that. But it's still like a culminating session. And the most amazing thing is the professor I have this semester for my last class is my very first professor I had in the program. And she was the one that 
you know, I was so nervous going to USC, feeling like I just maybe wasn't good enough and things like that. And she's the one that really helped me feel like I belonged there. And so to be able to start and end the program with her is very exciting. That is, comes full circle. Wow. Congratulations, babe. I Thank am you. so happy for you. I know. And when we had lunch today and you were saying all kinds of sweet things to me about you know, our relationship, it just made my heart so happy. I don't know if our listeners hear that side of you, like the sappy guy that you really are. <laughs> I know. Let it come out once in a while. You know, it dusts the cobwebs off my sappiness and it comes out. What were some of the things you were saying to me at lunch today? I was just saying the journey of my life has led me to you. And all of the roads and ups and downs and all the and all the women that have come through my life. <laughs> all right. All right. Calm down. Sorry, suave. I know. Sorry, ladies. All the <laughs> millions of women, you know, that come through my my world. You know, it's just it's just one more closer to you. And I realize after I'm looking back at all of that in my life, thinking back that what I really wanted was you the entire time. Right now, seriously, that's like the sweetest thing a husband could ever say. I mean, ladies, eat your heart out because this guy (laughs) over here, you know, he likes to play like he's the rough guy, and you know, he is a very manly man, and you know, very like macho and head of our household. And then there, (laughs) as he's flexing across (laughs) from me, but then you have these moments like when we were sitting at lunch today and toasting to this big milestone, and you were celebrating me because we're having a grown-ups day today. Uh, it just, it means the world to me to hear those words. And I just appreciate your kindness. Oh, babe. Well, no problem. No problem at all. That's what I'm here for. Kind words and love and joy. Oh, thank you so much. But enough about me. I've been gabbing and you've been asking me all kinds of stuff about my week. What's been going on with you? Well, this week we had a little bit of a plumbing situation in the master bathroom. No, there was not. A, well, there kind of was a leak, but not really. There was a, it wasn't a leak. It started with a Chris project. <laughs> yeah, Chris was trying to fix the clogged drain because everybody who's got a uh, bathroom sink, they realize that if you share a bathroom with a female, they have hair. <gasps> You're blaming this on me? They have hair that gets down the drain. It clogs the drain, so you have to go in there and try to pull it all out, all the gunk and everything. So I always try to clean it and pull it out. Unfortunately, I think it was too... Too much junk was down there. We used a Drano. We tried pulling stuff out. Took a drain apart. And when I took the drain apart to um, get the little doohickey, I don't know what it's called, out to pull the hair out, it. Um, I, I, pause. No, pause the story. No, here. no, I'm trying to. No, okay. Well, go, no, what? You never told me that you were starting this with. You're blaming it on me. Starting it with cleaning out my hair. You just said, yeah, the thing was broken. Back this story up. What? It was clogged. No, it wasn't. Well, it was. Cl- it's not my fault. Oh, I'm not blaming you, babe. But it was, what I'm saying is that it was clogged and I tried to fix it. So I took the hair and junk out and I tried to put the whole the sink part back together, that little stopper part back in there. There was like a rod that connects at the bottom of your drain that you have. If every sink has this little pull up thing, you pull it up to like close the drain and you push it down to open the drain so the water can flow through the, the sink in the bathroom. Oh, well, that rod has this little ball joint. It's kind of complicated, but it connects inside there. And when I took it apart and I tried to put it back together, I realized that the rod was about an inch shorter than it should be. Oh, and the no. reason why is because I guess it rotted away. The actual rod. I didn't know it could do that. But yeah, it looked kind of like a dagger when you pulled it out. Like there was a sharp end to it. Yeah, like it rotted off or broke off or I don't know if it broke off in there. What the deal is. Maybe but a I, rat got in and chewed off the metal. Our rat, <laughs> friendly rat got it. Yes, it's possible. So I tried putting the thing back together and I couldn't put it back together. So we had to make the ex- executive decision. Okay, pause. Slow it down. No, no, I'm not pausing. Before Tell your me. executive decision, 
how did that all go down when you couldn't fix it? Tell, lot, tell our listeners. A lot of bad words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> and a lot of slamming tools and stuff. <laughs> and me saying I'm be late for work for this crap. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's the here's the story going off of what this is Chris's experience and he did a great job working on fixing it and going to Home Depot to get the parts. But as he went into the, the he was in my office and as he was like uh, chatting with me and he was like, OK, I'm going to go fix this or whatever you said. I was like, OK, close my door and close the bedroom door before you go, because I know I'm going to hear cussing and I'm going on to a <laughs> Zoom call. That's right. And you were like, OK. And it was almost as if because you knew that you'd close the doors and because you knew that I knew you were going to like have an expression of emotions that you like amplified it just so I could hear it with all the doors closed. <laughs> I did. I was so upset. I was pissed. Why is this not working? Why is that working? I can't figure this thing out. It's not working. And I'm like, so frustrated and as and as guess it, I'm gonna have to call into work sick today. I know, figure this thing out. What am I out. gonna do? The house is breaking down. I know. I said, call a plumber, I'll figure this out. So Christine graciously <laughs> called the plumber and the plumber came out. To well, the house. I, I scheduled with the plumber and I said, Honey, they're gonna come at one o'clock tomorrow. And what did you say? That's too late. I can't have that. That's not, <laughs> that's not good enough. That's not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good enough. What is this fixed right now? So he called uh, SVM Plumbing here in San Diego, called, um, and I'm on the phone with him. And and what did you say, Chris? As I'm talking, I'm like, okay, so you're going to come out at one tomorrow. What were you like whispering into my ear? Or not even whispering, like I, aggressively. I, I don't even remember. I was so full of rage. I don't even remember what the problem was. Can you come sooner? Can you come sooner? Like, you're going to be home tonight. Can you come sooner? Right. Like, I'm not, I'll have to go to work, but you're going to be here. Someone's going to physically be here. So I don't see what the problem is. You know, we can have this fixed up and whatever the problem. And, you know, he, but he, what, you cut the pipe out and you replace the piping yeah. and you replace that little downspout part. Plus, you replace that drain part. You replace a whole, whole bunch of stuff you replaced. Yeah. And it was reasonably quick. I think it took him like 30 to 45 minutes. Super, super nice guy. And then... You know what he did? I didn't tell you this is he walked. I know we've had an inspection lately, but I told him about our water issues and he walked through and then he said to me, have you guys considered repiping your house? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And so we did a little walkthrough and then he was telling me about how we could update our piping in a way that would eliminate any future issues in terms of like water damage, but it would cost us ten dollars to $15,000. That's not including the repair of the drywall in the areas they'd have to cut out. Like when they did the one pipe over the kitchen and they right. rerouted it, they'd be doing that through the whole house Gosh. and running the the pipes through the interior instead of like all these old kind of decapitated, decrepit uh, pipes that we have. They'd cap all of those off and run brand new lines, hot and cold water. Well, 15 grand, what a deal. What a deal. <laughs> well, the thing that he said is like if we decided to go towards reselling the house in the future um, or trying to insure the house, it would actually bring down the liability because we would have replaced the entire plumbing system. Well, that sounds great. Let's do that. Let's, All right. You know, book it. Let's All book, right, book, book, it book it twice. All right. Sounds good. But no, Book it three times. Why not? But we did get it resolved, right? Yes. One problem. Another problem came and went. So the rats last week, y'all, y'all just kind of come along on this journey with us with floods and and critters and crickets. And I just feel like <laughs> we need to sell this house. Money pit. It's a bad mojo. <laughs> it's a beautiful house, but it's just like, what is happening? You know what here? they always say? They always say the same thing. Anybody who has problems who is a homeowner, they always say, well, that's home ownership for you. <laughs> yeah. And for me, from living in the apartment before, it's just kind of foreign to me because like, when I'd have a problem, I'd call like, the maintenance, maintenance. guy. <laughs> maintenance guy. Be like, mm, 
this door isn't quite quite closing the way I want it to, or I think I need a new air filter, or, you know, can you just paint my my front railing? <laughs> and they just show up and they do it. And now it's like, I call Chris the maintenance. I'm just calling you my maintenance man. <laughs> maintenance man with an attitude. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, that's been a little bit of an adventurous week. And you know, Chris, one of the things that I love about this first segment is the banter that we have back and forth. I do too. It's great. Yeah. I mean, uh, banter, arguing, whatever you want to call it. I, <laughs> I love it. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I love our dynamic. And you know what? Our our special VIP guest this week had a little comment about that. And he is coming to us from our first international international type of interview not just canada but from across the pond and we are going to hear back from him right after this hey there k2 crew we love having you as our loyal listeners to keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes check us out on social media yeah you can find us on instagram and twitter and don't forget to follow our facebook page yeah tag us in your favorite fun stories and guess what you might just end up on the show okay who likes to travel Raise your hand. Yeah, I see you over there. So today we are bringing you Away Travel. Quite simply, Away makes everything you need for your trip away. Away started with the perfect suitcase. Then they built from there, creating a range of travel standards developed from travel stories of friends and seatmates. The pieces aren't smart. They're thoughtful with features that solve real travel problems. To give the whole world access to better travel standards, Away took the direct-to-customer approach to lower prices and quality is guaranteed. Your Away suitcase will be with you for life. We are teaming up with Away and Podgo to give you the best deal on premium luggage by going to podgo.co slash away. Now that's podgo.co slash away. Away Travel, here to make your journey seamless. Okay, everybody, and welcome back. Today, our very special guest is from across the pond. He does a YouTube channel about your stories, and here we are listening to his story. Please welcome to the show, Rory Smith. Oh, <laughs> I get an applause and everything. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. I cannot tell you how excited I am. You two are a breath of fresh air. I am so excited to be on the show. Wow, I'm excited <laughs> to be on the show too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, what makes you excited to be on this show? Like, why did you pick us? Oh, do you know what? I love people who are good at their jobs and I love people who've got passion. And you can tell just by listening to every episode that you do how much you love it, how much you love doing what you do, also how much you love each other. And that really comes through and it just makes a guest feel really comfortable. And honestly, I'm so excited for today. Oh, wow. That brings a tear to my eye. And uh, Christine's uh, getting a little emotional, too, over there. I know. I it really is. I'm watching him over there because, you know, we are super passionate about this show. And it is like our baby since, mm -hmm. I mean, we don't have babies together except for our puppy that's coming in a couple uh, don't of forget weeks. The, don't forget poor pumpkin. Oh, the and our tortoise. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but so, Rory, where are you joining us from? I know Chris mentioned across the pond. Mm -hmm. That's right. So um, I'm actually in a place called Leeds at the moment. Leeds is in Northern England. Um, I don't know if you can tell by the accent or not, but I'm from Northern Ireland originally. Um, and I moved to England in 2011. 
um, and I've lived in London for nine years. And then our home at the moment is in Kent, which is a beautiful, beautiful place just south of London. Um, but my partner works in Leeds at the moment. So we're traveling up and down um, and we're actually based up here. We have been based up here for quite a few months now because of lockdown. Um, so at the moment, we're coming from Leeds in Northern England. Okay, so is Leeds like a country town? Is it like something that you would see on one of those like British movies where it's like lots of green fields or is it pretty metropolis? Leeds is beautiful. Um, it's in Yorkshire and Yorkshire is really famous. Yorkshire is a county in England and it's really famous for its deal. So it's got loads of gorgeous, beautiful mountains, beautiful scenery, the most amazing lakes. So Leeds is a city within that um, so I'm actually in the city at the moment. But again, just picture like a beautiful British city with like cobble streets and old style buildings with beautiful clocks and church towers. So do you know what? Yorkshire is a beautiful place um, and I, I love being up here. You know, what? I'm a country boy, so I do try and get into the countryside as much as possible. <laughs> wow. Whenever I'm up here. That sounds great. I think Christine just booked her flight. <laughs> <laughs> Come stay with me when lockdown's over. <laughs> no, I am. Uh, I think the term is an Anglophile. Like I watch all the like the British shows and like mm -hmm. I was a Downton Abbey fan and all mm -hmm. of those types of things. And Bridgerton has been my thing recently. And so mm -hmm. when you talk about that, I think of the scenes that I've seen played out on the big screen. But I mm -hmm. honestly have never been in person to any part of the UK. Now, is it similar or different from how you grew up in Ireland? Uh, that's a good question, actually. Um, it is quite culturally different, I would say. Um, Northern Ireland is part of the United Kingdom, um, which is England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland. Um, and then you've got the Republic of Ireland, um, which was south of me back home. But where I grew up in Northern Ireland was a beautiful, beautiful little village. It was just at the foot of these really famous mountains in Northern Ireland called the Morin Mountains. So that's M-O-U-R-N-E. And they're super famous mountains. The highest peak in Northern Ireland is actually within those. And my life in the countryside was just you know, a typical country farmer child just running around hay bales and driving tractors and getting muddy. Um, so that was my experience in Northern Ireland. And then I made the move to England 2011 and I moved to London. So that that to me was a bit of a culture shock. I'm going to be honest about that. <laughs> so, Rory, what do you guys farm in Ireland? What's a big crop you guys do? Um, so on our, we had a, like a hobby farm, so it wasn't like a professional farm where you're selling crops or selling okay, animals. right. It was more of a hobby farm, um, but we did we did do potatoes, <laughs> classic. Um, so my job actually as a kid um, was to go out into the field and to pick all of the stones up during the summer um, before the plows came in, which was absolutely backbreaking. It was horrendous oh. work. Um, but you know what, like it, it just teaches you about hard work and the importance of that and working as a team and, you know, someone's driving a tractor and you're lifting the stones and throwing them in the back. So, you know, you learn all of these experiences as well um, through through bad experiences like that, I suppose. So then what was it that led you to leave the countryside and become a big city boy in 2011? <laughs> Well, I always wanted to work in television. Um, it's always been a huge passion of mine, a, a bit like you two of your passion for podcasts. And, you know, my passion was television. And I think I fell in love with television around 2009. 
And I remember, I actually remember the first time that I ever fell in love with it. And I was at home watching television during the summer holidays and I was watching Desperate Housewives. Which I love. It is such a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, And I was watching that and it was on a commercial break. So, you know, me being, you know, I I can't sit still for two minutes. Right. Flicking through the channels. And I flicked over to BBC One and BBC Two. And then I got to ITV, which is um, the second most major um, broadcast network over here. And there was a program on it called This Morning ITV. And it was kind of like a daytime program, um, similar to sort of Good Morning America, which you have over in the States. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of vibe. Um, And I remember watching it and it was the host that was on it, Fern Britton, and it was her very last day on the show. And she was, she's like a legend over here. Um, And I remember watching her leaving day and they were playing like old clips and old interviews. And I just remember watching that and going, this is like a magical world. I don't know what I'm seeing (laughs) on this screen. And I'm seeing, you know, I remember just colours of blue, which was the dress that she was wearing and the gold confetti and there was lights and everyone was crying. I was like, I want to be there. Oh, man. (laughs) And I remember saying in that moment, I was like, I don't know what is inside of me saying this, but I want to work on that show that show was based in London. So ever since that day, I was just like, I need just to get to London. I need to start and get on this ladder of of television. And that's really why I moved. Was there no major television production places in Ireland at the time? That's a really good question, actually. Um, I did try after I did my university degree, I did try to get um, work in Northern Ireland. Um, but it was sort of, it was a very bad time um, for the industry in Northern Ireland. And it was really hard to get what I wanted to do because a lot of the places were closed and a lot of the production companies were closing down. Um, there was one magazine show in the evening time that I really, really wanted to go on um, and to work on, you know, as a runner or, or assistant. Um, but I was just getting my toe into the door of that place and then it shut down. So oh. with everything closing down around me, I just felt like I needed to get to London. And even if I came back to Northern Ireland, at least I would have the experience. But I stayed in London ever since. Oh, wow. So did you make it to the show that you were wanting to or did your dreams shift once you got to the big city? Well, so I did the I did um, a journalism course in college for three years. Um, And then I came back home after that. This was 2014 at this stage. And I came back home And I worked on local television in Northern Ireland for about six months. And this was a very, very small channel. It was, you know, it went out on the internet around the bus stations and train stations (laughs) in the local area. So when I say small, think super small. Um, And I just felt like after a while that I did everything that I could do there. Um, and I just wanted to get back to London. I just loved London too much. I missed, I missed the city life. And this is from a country boy talking. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I just wanted to get back there and I just felt an urge to go back. So after six months, I packed up and I moved back to London and I asked um, This Morning ATV, which was the company that we were talking about, um, if I could have a job. They said that they can give me two weeks work experience. So I went off and I did two weeks free work experience 
and I worked my backside off. I mean, if you think that I worked hard gathering stones, you have no idea how I made a cup of tea, let me tell you. Really? Well, do explain. Now explain hard work for those who may not know. <laughs> so... It was about being the first one in the office. It was about, and you know, this is the the very initial stages of getting on the ladder. And it was just being there, very first opening of that door. And it was being the last one to leave. And it was just going that extra mile to make sure that you could just do everything in your power to make something happen. I remember one time I was sent to Selfridges on Oxford Street in London, and this was to collect a bracelet that um, was for a woman's leaving party. So I went off and I was like, yeah, of course, it was a Friday evening. I was like, yeah, I'm going to collect it. So off I went to Selfridges and I went up to the counter of the jewellery store and I said, oh, I'm here to collect a bracelet for ITV. And this is, yeah, of course, um, here it is. I handed it over. I handed over the card, um, the company card, but it got declined. No. Oh, man, what'd you do? Well, they said that there's like 50p short in it, which was ridiculous. But I think there was a limit of that day of how much you can spend. Right. And they said, well, you need 50 pence more. I was like, I don't have, I don't, I don't have my wallet with me. I didn't think to bring money with me. So what do you do when you're in the middle of Selfridges? You're one week into your work experience in London. You got to beg. So I walked around Selfridges asking the customers if they could give me 50p. I got 20p from one person (laughs) and I got a pound from another person and I made my 50p and I went back to the office and I told them this story. Of course, they were mortified. I didn't care. (laughs) And they said, you're one to keep. Oh, wow. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Now, I am trying to wrap my head around this. What's the equivalent of 50 pence? Like, I I don't know the exchange rates. Is it? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. I'm going to have to look it up. Chris, you asked the next question. (laughs) Now I'm curious. Okay. Well, so they hired you on. And then then after that, uh, how long Mm -hmm. were you there? So I was there um, in total just short of four years. So from there, I, I, I got a job as a freelance researcher, um, a, a freelance runner. Um, and then from there, I got full-time employment as a researcher. I worked in the interactive team, which was looking at all of the social media comments coming through. I worked in the features team, which was making videos. I worked in the fashion teams. I worked in the makeup teams. I worked in the travel teams. I booked the cars. And then I became an assistant producer. And then I I eventually got to produce the show. Um, And then I became a news journalist on the show as well. So I sort of worked myself up through the ranks. And I stayed there um, up to four years. Yeah, it was just short of four years. Oh, wow. Wow, fantastic. So, So you're actually on air broadcasting too? Like actually in front of camera? No, not in that show. So I left there uh, about two years ago. Um, 2018 was when I first left. And then I went back for a few freelance shifts until 2019. Uh, So I officially left in January 2020. So um, I'm not working there anymore. So then what did you decide to break away from that position to do? It seems like I know we ha- you have a YouTube channel, but what came in January 2020 that was like the, I'm going to go out and be this freelancer on my own? 
Mm. That's a really good question as well. Um, for me, I've always wanted to be a broadcaster. That's the only thing that I've ever wanted to do. And I think, you know, in sharing this story, um, the way that I have and got to the stage where I'm at now in it, it sort of happened like that. It happened really, really fast. And before I knew it, I just woke up and I was a producer and I, you know, climbed the ladder very quickly through hard work and determination and ambition. And I sort of woke up and went, hang on, I've I've never wanted to be a producer. I on right. earth. Why am I sitting in a seat producing the hosts of the show? I want to be in those those chairs. I want to be the host. And I've always wanted to be the host. I've always wanted to be a broadcaster. I've always wanted to listen to people's stories, which you know we'll probably talk about later. Um but for me, I sort of one thing led to another and you know you were earning the money and um, you were enjoying the time that you were there, uh, you know, in the office and you were getting all of these experiences and learning, learning your craft from all of these different angles. So you didn't have time to sort of get back to your dream. And it was only in 2019 that I said, do you know what, I need to get back to broadcasting. And the reason why I left sort of, I always say that I left twice is because when I left in 2019, I had a year where I was freelancing. So I was going back to earn money on the news desk. Um, but I was still pursuing my broadcasting ambitions in front of the screen. And I got, you know, I got a few reporter jobs. I was working on BBC One um, a couple of times for this Saturday morning. It's an iconic Saturday morning show over here. And it was really, really good. But I was still earning the money in the offices. But I said, do you know what? If I'm, if I'm really determined to do this, if I'm really going to make this work, I just need to cut all ties with office work and I really need to focus. So after a year of freelancing in 2019, then going back to the offices, that was when in 2020 in January, I says, right, that's it. I am a broadcaster. I am not a producer. I'm not a news desk journalist. I need to focus solely on being in front of the camera. Well, good on you, buddy. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. It was a risk, but you know, I really hope it'll pay off. Yeah, absolutely. When I was listening to your story, I just kind of had to sit back and and think of your journey and how it relates to probably a lot of people's journeys where they have a dream and they go out chasing it and a different mm -hmm. door opens or a window opens and they crawl through that mm -hmm. and it ends up opening more doors and windows. And when you reflect back years later, while you have the success and the financial stability there might still be a longing there to be able to chase that initial dream to help you feel fulfilled. Did you find yourself in that place where you had the financial stability but still felt unsettled? Totally, totally, absolutely. Um, and, you know, that's one of the main reasons why you stay as well, because you say, I'm financially stable in this job and I'm earning, you know, it, it's good money as a producer, you know. And you sort of say, well, why on earth would I give that up? I've achieved so much in this short time. You know, how far can I go up this ladder and continue to go up? Um, and, you know, you sort of talk yourself, you, you know, at the end of the month, you're sort of saying, right, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to be a broadcaster. I'm going to do exactly what I wanted to do. And then you check your bank balance and there's a nice big check in it. And you go, oh, well, <laughs> do you know what? You know, I'm going to stick around for this. Right. Um, but you, you, you do, you know, one of the most important things for me is that I don't, I don't want to work for money. I, I don't need money, you know, a huge amount of money. I just need to put food on the table and I need to do something that I love. And I realize now I haven't, I haven't had paid work in over a year. 
And that for me, if you told me that three years ago, I would say, ah, no, 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 there's no way I'm going to do that. Um, but I've never been happier because I'm doing something that I love. I wake up every morning with with an ability to you know speak to people like you and to listen to the stories of the people on, on my YouTube channel, which we'll talk about later. Um, but to go to bed every night doing something that you love um, and not earn as much money, it gives me the greatest pleasure and I'm in the happiest place that I've ever been. That's great. Now, I was going to ask you about the, uh, are you, would you consider yourself a minimalist? I would. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that, uh, do you know what? There was a real turning point for me, actually. Um, and <laughs> I'm only telling you this because you're in America. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I I went to um, Camp America in 2013 and I worked in the camps in New Hampshire in a summer camp for boys. It was called uh, Camp Maitina. And I went over there and I worked for three, four months and I worked in the kitchens. And the reason why I worked in the kitchens is because I didn't have any skill. You know, I am, you do not want to see me in sports. It is <laughs> terrible. Oh, I mean, no, come on. Absolutely not. No <laughs> way. Let's play some football. <laughs> if you want some comedy value and you want a good laugh, then you watch me play some football because you will be laughing. <laughs> but I didn't have any skills. You know, I, I wasn't a lifeguard. I couldn't help on the waterfront. I didn't have, you know, any sporting ability. So I couldn't teach in the field. And I said, you know what? I'm going to work in maintenance. I'm going to work in the kitchens and I'm going to serve the food and I'm going to have the best time. So off I went to New Hampshire for three months um, in 2013. And that was a real turning point in my life because you were stripped back from everything. You know, you were in the same clothes practically for the whole summer and, you know, laundry didn't happen very often, let's be honest. And, you know, you weren't allowed to use your phone. You had to go to the cabin, you know, the computer cabin to use the internet and things like that. So it was a real stripping back of everything that you're used to, you know, especially me growing up. I, you know, as a teenager, you know, 10 years ago, that's what we were used to. We were used to phones and iPads and computers or whatever. So to be able to go into practically the woods and to spend time on a lake for three hours just talking and to light a campfire and to build up relationships and communication and just to strip everything back was a huge turning point in my life. And I think ever since then, I find the most comfort in nature and just the really things that really matter. And I think, you know, for all of us during lockdown as well, you know, we've been stripped back from everything. Every right. Everyone has. So, you know, you realize the most important things. And for me, that's family, that's friends, that's having people around in your backyard for a barbecue and a campfire and good country music and good food. And, you know, that's the most important things to me. Absolutely. Now, in listening to your story, it sounds like you are a person that really values connection, like interpersonal mm -hmm. relationships and connections. Is that pretty accurate to say? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So then um, the, that leads me to ask, is that mm -hmm. a big component of the reason why you developed your YouTube series? Because as after watching some of the videos, it's really about connection and drawing out stories with others. Mm -hmm. Totally. You're absolutely right. And it's interesting that you say interpersonal skills as well, because obviously that is talking and listening. Now, a lot of people... Um, prefer to talk than to listen. 
This might surprise you because I have not shut up since we started, <laughs> but I actually would much prefer to be the one asking the questions and to listen to people. You know, I'm, you know, this is out of my comfort zone to be able to, you know, sit and talk about myself and for people to ask me questions. Um, but I do it for you too, because you're so great. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> but it really is, you know, I could, I could just listen to someone talk all day. Do you know what? I am the worst person to sit beside on a long haul flight. You do not want to be sitting beside me because Why I'll be, I will be writing your autobiography by the time that plane lands. I oh. want to know where you were born. I want to know about your family. I want to know about your job. Why, you know, why are you on this plane? Where are you at today? How did you get here today? So I love listening to people and uh, you know, as I said, talking talking really isn't a strong point of mine, which you might be very surprised about. Um, but I much prefer to listen to people. So that is why you started the Your Stories on YouTube? Exactly. Um, your story was set up in April 2020. It was during the first lockdown um, over oh, here right. in mm -hmm. England. And you know, as, as 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 I shared with you before, that I wasn't working at that time, so I was spending a lot of time um, at home, and I just thought, you know, I was watching the news, and just the most horrific things were were just being brought up all the time, and I just said, "What? How can I contribute to this? How can I use my skills and you know, the things that I've built up over the past couple of years and work to be able to." do something during this, something that's worthwhile and something that helps people. And I thought that what we all needed during that time was just a little bit more hope in our lives. Mm -hmm. That's where the whole idea for your story came around. So what I did was I started a YouTube channel called Your Story. And it's where I talk to people who've overcome adversities in their lives and I draw out lessons from them and things that help them to get over adversity in their lives. And hopefully by the end of it, you can learn a few things through their own story and through their own experience. And for me, that was something that could help people during lockdown, you know, listening to these other people who've been through horrific things. It was just to show that with a bit of hope, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. Now, Rory, I don't know if you can mention any names, but can you give an example of some of the stories that have come across your desk? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, let me just think. Uh, I, you know, the, the latest, well, let's talk about the latest episode that I did um, was with a, a, a beautiful woman called Leticia, and uh, she's from California, in fact. Oh, wow. And Our neighbor. <laughs> yeah. She, she's a remarkable, remarkable lady. And she um, was at her uh, family's Christmas Eve party um, around 12, 13 years ago. And unfortunately, someone came into the house and they killed nine of her family members. Oh, my word. Um, which was just terrific. And it included her mum, her dad, her two brothers, her two sisters, her brothers-in-laws and a nephew. And it was just horrific story um and you know it's very hard for someone like Leticia to go back and share something like that um so I see my job as just a person that's between Leticia and the audience and the people that she wants to speak to so I you know talk to Leticia about her story and the things that she's been through and then what I try to do is 
try to find out how she overcomes something like this. And you see this shift during the interview, which is just so beautiful, of how someone like this can get over something like that. And she talks about hope and she talks about family and she talks about prayer and faith and all these wonderful things that can help her through something like this. And she's in one of the most beautiful spaces now. She she set up this wonderful website called Letitia's Hope and she inspires other people and she wants to give more hope into the world. So out of this very dark and tragic event, here's a woman who's taken that and turned it into something positive to help other people. Mm -hmm. And it's meeting truly, truly inspirational people like that, that just makes this whole thing worthwhile for me. Well, it sounds like in your interviews, you're partly listening and partly analyzing to look for themes. And based off of that, are there any themes that you've seen that have popped up across multiple interviews that you think would empower others when they're trying to overcome adversity? Mm -hmm. Um, That's a really good question. Um, I think, you know, I think going back to Letitia's one, it is hope and it's a hope and a knowing and an understanding that things can get better. If you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, if you can feel that that's going to happen, even if it's not today or not next week or or next month, you know, most of the people that I've talked to have said that they've clung on to something to to know that tomorrow's a better day, to know that there'll be something in the future that will help them out of this. You know, there'll be a time when they'll laugh again. There'll be a time when they can share lovely memories again. So it was just, even though you might be in a very, very dark space, as most of the people who I've talked to over the past year have been, it's a real hope that things will get better. I think that's that's a theme that I've seen. Now, being that it happened, you started your show during the middle of the pandemic. Has the pandemic been a focal point for some of these stories? Um, no, I've tried to defer away from the pandemic. I think that I think that we are so inundated with it. I think our news channels are full to the brim of it. I think that every time we turn on the news or we turn on the television or we open our social media, we constantly see it. And of course, it needs to be spoken about. Um, but I think that sometimes, and I've even found this for myself, it can just get a little bit too much Oh yeah. sometimes if you absorb that all the time. So I tried to not bring up the pandemic. I tried to make this about the people that I talk to, about their story, you know, whether that happened a year ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago or or more in some cases, and to make it about them and how they overcome it rather than the current time. But I think that there's lots of lessons in there from these people that you can use in life today to get through this pandemic. Right. And and I don't know what, what uh, the lockdown status is over there, but over here, we're still locked down. Well, kind of. They they shift back and forth. What's open, what's closed, and they mm. close one, and they open another, and go back and forth, back and forth. My sister happens to be out of work. She hasn't worked a day since since the very beginning of the pandemic. Right. Mm. Right in it, March right. 2020. And both of them are working. And I'm sure there's a lot of stories like that at least around here, and we have a our homeless problem keeps growing because people mm-hmm. can't pay their rents, their mortgage, and, and they're on the street. And it's very tragic. 
But I could see how shifting the focus off of what's so present can also help equip individuals with some skills. I feel like in my own personal life, if I'm going through a problem and I'm just looking at that problem, sometimes it's hard to step back and find the tools to make my way through it. Mm -hmm. But when a friend shares their story of how they overcame something similar, then I'm like, oh, well, that gives me hope I'm going to get through and maybe one of their strategies or ideas or coping mechanisms might be something that could help me. Mm. Have, have you heard stories like that of people that subscribe to your YouTube channel? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, one of the most powerful interviews that I did was with a man called Ian McNichols, um, and he is from England, and he's a male domestic abuse survivor. Um, and I noticed during the pandemic that this interview just continuously got more and more hits. Now, this might be something that, you know, if you're looking at hits, you're saying, oh, this is good. But actually, I, I, I didn't see it that way. I saw as why is this domestic abuse video getting more hits than anything else through a pandemic? Is there people that are reaching out to look at other domestic abuse videos on YouTube. And what I saw was there was so many comments of people saying, I've been in a situation like this um, and I've now been able to open up about it and to talk about it and to go back to to watch other videos now of other people talking out about it and how helpful this is. I've seen so many, so many comments. I think there's over 600 comments in this video wow. of people who've been through the exact same thing. And, you know, I've full control over what comments gets published and what comments don't. And there's been a few times where I've had to report a few comments to the police, unfortunately, in England, oh, because I just what? feared for these people's safety. What Absolutely. Kind of, well, how's that work? I didn't know you could even do that. Um, yeah, so there's there's on all of my videos, I, I like complete control over the comments. And and the reason the reason why is mainly to protect my guests, I don't want them reading things that are harmful things right. against them on my platform. That is not what my platform is about. My platform is there to give hope to other people. And, you know, people who write negative things are just not welcome on it. And my guests don't need to read that. My audiences don't certainly don't read, need to read that. So I have to sift through them, you know, and I do it almost every morning now. I just check in and see the new comments. Listen, over 95% of the comments are so positive and people saying how wonderful these people are and thank you for sharing your story. And I've been in positions like this myself. Um, but there have been a few times, particularly in this one, where people have been reaching out for help. And, you know, I'm not a trained professional, so I can't help these people. That's not my job. But what I can do is I can defer them on to professionals or send them links to helplines of people who can help. So it's very interesting, this perspective around the the hits coming higher on the videos around domestic violence during the pandemic. And I know Chris and I are kind of motioning to each other about how we've had conversations about how that's been escalating amidst the lockdown. And I could see mm -hmm. how people might be searching that out more and looking for resources. And that's really incredible that based off of your comments, you could actually direct some support locally mm -hmm. for victims of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's something that I never expected to do, really, when I when I first set this up. And, you know, it's other things as well. Like, you know, I've seen a, a, quite an increase in the ones 
uh, surrounding addiction as well. Oh, right. Um, so, you know, it, it's you sort of feel helpless in a way because you can't help anybody on your platform. You know, the platform is there as a video, as someone's story to share. Um, and, you know, the comments that people leave are, are there to build up a community. And you can see that by the replies as well. That Some people reply and say, yeah, I've been in I've been in exactly the same situation, but I've seen a theme throughout lockdown and you know you feel totally helpless but you know all I can do really is just continue to get these people's stories out and if that means doing more addiction topics or more domestic abuse topics then you know that's all I can do really at this stage. Yeah and it sounds like those stories could be very validating. I don't want to say affirming because that's quite the wrong term for this but validating to others that are experiencing um relapses or Mm. uh, violence, domestic violence, that they're not alone, especially Mm -hmm. at a time where so many people feel alone due to being isolated from their traditional social circles. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and you know what, that that goes back to one of your previous questions as well about a, a common theme. With all of these people, these people are now, the guests on my show are now in a position that they're able to share their stories. They've built up, as you've said, the, the tools and, and what they need to overcome these adversities in their lives. And so one of the most important things that that all of these people would say is to share your story when you're in a place to do so and to talk about it. And to show people that you're not alone. You know, everyone goes through struggles. Everyone goes through hardships, no matter what it is. And even if you haven't had any experience in a certain topic, there's still tools and lessons in there that you can take into your own life today. But certainly one of the most important things in all of these people and in all of the videos that I've done is the ability to share your story when you're in a place to do so. Right. Absolutely. You feel safe to talk about it. Now, Rory, mm-hmm. have you ever decided maybe in the near future to do maybe like a follow up of these people, what they're doing now kind of thing, like how they've uh, evolved? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting as well, because a lot uh, some of them who I've spoken to are doing new things. So, do you know, I can't help but get involved with them as well. So I follow them on Instagram and I check out what they're doing and I see how they're evolving and all of the great things that they're doing. So, you know, what, maybe that's a really nice one for the end of a season to kind of recap, to see how everyone's doing, to maybe do, you know, a good half an hour or an hour of just going back to people and revisiting. That's a great idea, Chris. I like that. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. You know, I, I saw that on, if you ever watch, you guys ever watch Shark Tank? I don't know if you guys have it out there in the UK, but the uh, Shark Tank show where they have the the entrepreneurs try to buy businesses or help them out and they and they kind of right. see what they're doing. At, they, they get oh, they'll them, do like the follow-up like a year or two later. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. Where, like where they're at now kind of a thing. And they're usually yeah. very positive what they're doing now. Like our business is growing by 5 million percent and blah, 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 <laughs> and all that stuff. But so I've even great. seen it where it is on a more like an interview show where they have the person watch back the video of themselves like a year or two prior and like mm-hmm. reflect on their growth and Mm. that process of reflection and growth is so helpful for people. Mm, Absolutely. And, you know, even after the interview has aired, so many of my guests got into contact with me and said, that has actually just really helped me to be in a safe space, to be able to share my story, you know, to sit down for, you know, some of these interviews go on for an hour or an hour and a half 
or sometimes up to two hours. And it's just a really safe place for these people to share their stories and just get it out of their systems. And I think, you know, that's something that we can actually all take into our lives. As I, you know, as I've said before, I'm not a trained therapist or, or psychologist or anything like that. But what I do have a skill in and an ability to do is just listen. So even if you don't take lessons from the guests that's on the show, take a lesson from listening. And when a friend reaches out to you, you might know the answer. You might know how to help them. You might not know anything about addiction or abuse or any of the hard topics that we cover on the show, but you can listen. So, you know, give them a space, you know, invite them over when it's safe to do so after, you know, the pandemic and the restrictions are lifted. Invite them over a glass of wine and just say, hey, listen, I, I'm going to listen to you for the next hour. Just tell me how you feel. Um, and I think that's something that we can all learn from and, and take into our daily lives. Right. Absolutely. And you know, speaking of other people learning from listening, is YouTube the only platform that your videos have been featured on or have they started to find their way into other channels to get a broader audience? No, so I've I've um I've kept them on YouTube at the moment um because it's been so successful and I find as well um with social media it's quite hard to direct people so at the moment I've got a website and my YouTube channel so I, I even <laughs> even I find with two two platforms it's quite hard to direct people to to go and watch them um, but, you know, I, I'm not brilliant with technology. I'm not going to lie. So I'm fine with two platforms at the moment. <laughs> Wonderful. But I did see something about the Prince's Trust on YouTube. What is that? So the Prince's Trust um, is an organization that was set up by um, the royal family. And uh, it's a opportunity for young people to do great things um, throughout their community and, and throughout um, the Commonwealth. And they, they build up a rapport and, and their confidence and, and skills in order to help other people. And then they're awarded for their efforts. Um, the Prince's Trust um, was actually, uh, I had my very first guest was from the Prince's Trust, a girl called Asia. Asia was a young girl who would, grew up in a foster family. And when she was 17 years old, just 17 years old, um, she became homeless and she got into drugs and alcohol and all of these other things. And she decided when she was a little bit older that she wanted to go back to her foster family and she wanted to get herself back on a clean path again and, and back in the right track. So she went back to her foster family and she she just said, listen, I'm sorry for what I've done. Um, you know, you cared for me whenever I was growing up. And I went off the rails and I'm sorry. And they said, this is always your home. And now she is doing really good things to help other people in that in position. And she has won an award at the Prince's Trust Awards. Um, I think that was about two years ago now. Um, so to link up with these organisations such as um, the Prince's Trust or maybe the British Skin Foundation when I did a facial disfigurement um a topic on the show it, it it does get your story out there a little bit further um in fact the domestic abuse one which you, which we talked about with ian um is actually featured on a police website over here in england um wow. so if you, yeah so if you go into the domestic abuse section um they have this video 
um, and this interview. So yeah, the, these other platforms um, that that are over here in England and across the world as well really help to just get those stories out. Listen, it's not about me. It's not about the views that I get, but it is about getting these people's stories out. These guests have stories to tell. These guests have lessons to share. And hopefully the audience who watch it can take some of the lessons from them. So, you know, any little helps really. Well, I do have one more question that mm-hmm. I am dying to know because you do love to interview. Do you have a dream interview guest that you would love to have on the show to be able to hear their story? Wow. That's a good question. <laughs> um, my dream interview guest of all time would be Oprah Winfrey. Yes, I knew well, okay, it. Okay, <laughs> but why? Yeah. Why? Oprah Winfrey, her story is just remarkable. I mean, it is the epitome of overcoming adversity. Right. Um, you know, I don't I don't care about your millions or billions or bajillions or whatever you've done or you know, your your house or whatever, all of that carry on. Couldn't couldn't care less about it. But what I care about is a woman who went through so much hardship in her younger years, who just with ambition and kindness and compassion and you know love for other people and and most importantly a love for herself that right. she had to learn um was able to turn all of that pain and all of that negativity into positivity mm-hmm. and to just give and to just give information to people to give love to people to give you know, she has helped so many people throughout her career. So I would just love to sit down with her and ask her about, you know, how have you overcome adversity? What is the tools that you have done to to get in the position that you are today? And when I say position that you're in today, as I said, I don't mean about your successes. I mean the person that you are. I mean how compassionate you are. How did you learn all of this? Um, so absolutely, my dream guest of all time would be Oprah Winfrey. Well, it does sound... Well, why don't you give her a call then? <laughs> <laughs> do you have her number? Um, <laughs> hold on, does. I do. It's I'm my favorite. Is that Oprah? Not to name drop. <laughs> oh, Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> but it does sound like one of the things that I've heard surfacing across your, your interviews is that the individuals that you interact with and whose stories you're able to surface do have this commonality of like pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and figuring out how to make something of themselves despite encountering whatever type of obstacle they faced and doing it with joy, hope, and and vitality. And so, you know, Oprah's story, Chris is looking at me like, I don't really know her story. And, you know, overcoming mm-hmm. a childhood of abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, like your passion and your dream about broadcasting, making her way into the television industry and then... Mm-hmm transitioning into her show where she did similar things to you telling other stories Mm -hmm. uh, but not just for the shock and awe factor but really Mm -hmm. for people to know the real person Mm -hmm. and I think that's a really unique approach to interviewing I would Mm -hmm. like to think that Chris and I attempt to do that in our interviews 
We try. We try. You do. You do. You make you make and you know you make your guests feel really really comfortable. And and one of the most important things is to listen. And you do that so well. And I, I you know I'm learning from you too too. You you just have this ability to just allow a person to feel really comfortable. I feel like I've known you both for like ten years. I feel like your friends. Aww. And <laughs> I feel like you're just listening to every single word. And that's just a beautiful beautiful quality to have well thank you so much for those kind words rory and we've loved watching your your videos on your youtube channel but where can our listeners find you and connect with you through social media and youtube fantastic yeah so um, my website is rorysmith.org um, which is where you'll find all of the videos from your story and more information about me. My YouTube channel is youtube.com forward slash Rory E. Smith. That's Rory E. Smith. That goes the same for all of my socials. So Instagram is Rory E. Smith and Twitter is also Rory E. Smith. Fantastic. Well, we so appreciate you staying up late for us because it's a completely <laughs> different time there and it's lunchtime for us here. And, you know, whenever we make our way across the pond, we're going to have to sit down and have a wonderful dinner and conversation. And a cup of tea. And a cup of tea. Oh, that, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot tell you how much I would love that. <laughs> oh, wonderful. And if you make your way back over here to California and sunny San Diego, you just look us up and we would love to hang out with you. We'll have some fish tacos. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm up for that. Fish tacos and also lots of sun lotion, please. I'm Irish. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much, Rory. Thank you, guys. I really enjoyed that. Thank you so much to both of you. You're awesome. The Podbreed Network is strictly for the small podcasts that are up and coming in the vast world of podcasting. Podbreed is made up of many diverse podcasts coming together to achieve the same goal of being the best damn podcast network on the planet. Find out more at podbreed.com. Well, that was a super interesting interview, Chris. And one of the things that I loved that Rory was mentioning is about how he loves to use stories in his reporting. And it makes me think of a recent interview that we watched on TV just this past weekend that included a couple from the UK. Are you talking about uh, the uh, what's his name? The Harry and uh, Megan, Megan uh, yeah. Markle. Yeah, yeah. The Oprah interview. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I reached out to Harry the other day. He uh, he because we text all the time, and he <laughs> said that um, he felt so bad, like ripping on the Queen and all that in the interview. But but uh, he didn't. It was the royal family. He didn't rip on the Queen. He said they're very close. I know. I was just kidding. I don't talk to Harry. My goodness. Yeah, but I was thinking about how that was a really great interview that got into. To the story of overcoming adversity. Um, but one of the things is it felt kind of heavy. And one of what I really like about Rory's work that I've watched on YouTube is while there's like a story of adversity, it's also of like overcoming and seeing on the other side. I wonder if we'll see an interview like that with Rory and Harry and Megan in like a year or two down the line when they've really established themselves in this new life. It's very possible. I mean, I think they do have a, you, uh, do, do have a, your own podcast. Yeah, they were started. I don't know how far they got with it. I think I only saw one episode back in December. So I don't know. Well, welcome to the podcasting community. And if you need any help or any tips with that stuff, Harry and Megan, um, you can follow me at Podtastic Audio. Right. Even though we know you've got Spotify behind you, we've got tips that they don't. 
Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. But what did you think of the interview with Rory? I didn't watch. Oh, Rory. Oh, that's great. I thought you were going to say about Megan and uh, Harry. No. Um, yeah. The Rory one was fantastic. He is my new favorite uh, interview fan. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is so fun when we have people on our show that are also fans of our show. That's crazy so, to think about. I you know. know. Because it, we thought we started this thing as like a stupid little like podcast for fun. Not stupid. Well, I'm just not saying stupid. I'm saying like we just started this little funsy little thing we were yeah. to start off with like thinking that nobody would even listen or even like this show. Well, you did. I had high hopes for us. Oh, thanks, Because babe. I know how exciting and exhilarating and fun you are to listen to. And I know how exciting you are to listen to. Oh, thank you. You know, I listen to it at work and I always listen just to hear your voice in my, in my truck when I'm driving it. Because I miss you at work and I play oh. I play the podcast to hear you. So you're like with me while I'm at work. You miss me? I do miss you, babe. Aw, I think like most guys go to work and they're like, oh, I get to escape from my naggy wife. You don't feel like that? Um, a little, a little. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's be honest. A, a, li- a little bit. Some days more than others. But at least with the podcast, I can put pause and turn you off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was bad. <laughs> you know, you know what it is. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're too much. I know. Uh, there's I that witty banter again that our fans love. <laughs> there you, you're welcome. You're all welcome. That's we're, for you, baby. Yeah, we're glad that we could help you all out to give you a little bit of levity in your weekend. <laughs> and if you want more of that fun stuff, you always go to our website. That is www.chrisandchristineshow.com And that's Chris and Christine with K's. And do you have any more fun, exciting news, babe? Um, just that I love you and I loved this interview and I love this episode and I'm really excited for everybody to listen to it over and over and over again. Yeah, until your podcast player says, no more, <laughs> you give up, you hit your mo- your quota for the day. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, you- thanks everybody for tuning in this week and we will be back with you next week on a special 40th birthday edition by the way chris that's what we're doing happy birthday babe. <laughs> if you want to see if you want to send gifts or uh, amazon gift cards you can reach us at our email that is uh, chris and christine podcast at gmail.com address them to christine's 40th birthday yes make sure that they don't get used for chris because you know homeboy over here likes a little bit of amazon shopping i just bought a few things the other day on amazon my goodness <laughs> Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back with you for birthday week next week. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right. Forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward.